Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. chapter 5, and I'll ask you just for a brief moment more to stand with me to honor the public reading of the word of the Lord, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 through 21. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, verse 11, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for the public reading of Scripture. Help us today as we look to your word over these next few moments. We thank you, God, for this time together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. <clears throat> Last week, we spoke about how the Lord has called us to walk in love. We also spoke about how we ought to be careful what we desire, be careful what we say. Paul has an emphasis to the Ephesians, and he says, be careful what language you use. Be careful what things you desire. He says to walk as children of light, that our character and our attitudes and our actions should reflect our new nature in Jesus Christ. In verse 10, he tells us to try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, a desire for discernment. We had time last week praying and asking the Lord to give us discernment, to know and understand when he is working and how he is working in our midst. And we get to chapter, or I'm sorry, verse 11 and following. And as I read through this passage, one of the things that I believe the Apostle Paul speaks to us first is to live in the light. Live in the light. Ephesians, this letter was written to those who were already believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had professed faith in Jesus, but apparently there were some who also, after that profession of faith, had maintained some type of secret life. And Paul says this cannot continue. You cannot continue to profess faith in Jesus, and then under the surface live a life that is clouded or shrouded in darkness. 
Sins of immorality, impurity, filthiness, silly talk, coarse, uh, coarse jokes were not to continue among believers. There were to be no secret sins. He says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but even expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness by shining the light of the gospel on them. Shine the light of the gospel on the unfruitful deeds of darkness. And I believe that as darkness is exposed, particularly in the life of the believer, that there are two ways in which that can happen. First, I believe the preaching and teaching of the gospel shows people what are the deeds of darkness. As the gospel is preached, as the gospel is taught, it can teach us and show us what are the unfruitful deeds of darkness? What are the things that we should release unto God? What are the things that we need to be cleansed of, that we need to walk away from? What are the things that we need to be pure in heart about? What are the things that we need to push away? As the gospel is preached to us, as the gospel is taught to us, there ought to be this continual growth in what the scripture calls sanctification. That day by day we become more like Christ. Day by day we walk more fully in His image. Day by day we look more like our elder brother. That the preaching and the teaching of the gospel works within us. This is why it's important for us to regularly be in groups of people where the gospel is being faithfully preached and taught. Reading the Word of God and applying it is essential to us. The things that help us to know the will of the Lord is being in the presence of teaching, being in the presence of preaching, studying and understanding God's Word. Be reminded this morning that God did not just come up with a list of sins and say, hey, these are things I don't like and don't want you to do, and if you happen to do them, I'm going to send you to hell because of them. That's not sin. What God has said is for my people, for those who are called by my name, there are things which are unproductive and unfruitful for them. There are things which will mess up their relationships. There are things which will mess up their bodies. There are things which will mess up their ability to participate in my kingdom. There are things which they should not participate in because it will be detrimental to their relationships. It will bring a curse upon them and upon their children. It will affect their marriages. It will affect other things in their life. And these are things that my children should not participate in. These are things that I don't want my children to participate in. That's what sin is. Sin is God calling us away from things that bring harm to us. Unless you would say, well, this is something that doesn't bother anyone else. It just bothers me. It's just something I'm doing that no one else knows about. It's something that I keep hidden. It doesn't affect anyone else at all. I want to tell you it does affect someone else because it's affecting you. Look around the room. You see people who are existing in this church with you. When the Apostle Paul speaks to us and he talks to us about unity in the faith, unity cannot come when even one of us is hiding secret sin. Because the enemy has a foothold. How can there be unity when the enemy has a foothold? So we don't want to be legalists and say, oh, if you name Jesus as your Savior, I'll give you this list. Just 
don't do these things. The old saying, don't drink, smoke, or chew or go with girls that do. <laughs> if you take care of that, you'll be okay. That's not a relationship with the Lord. What the Lord does in moments like this, I could imagine that as we're gathering at the altar and we're saying, hey, Lord, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. There are things that we realize are clogs to our filling. God, by His Spirit, begins to reveal some of those things in our life. And we say, God, help me. Take it away, God. I'm going I'm to change some things about how I live tomorrow. Because, God, I want it to be just a clear conduit from your spirit into my spirit. I want it to be just a clear overflowing of your presence in my life. So I want some things to get away because it's not pleasing to you. It's detrimental to my relationship. It's detrimental to my church. Sin is destructive for the kingdom of God. Any sin is destructive for your relationships and it's destructive for you. The preaching and teaching of the gospel shows us what the deeds of darkness are. Secondly, I believe God also uses our brothers and sisters to examine our walk, to look within us. And we need to allow people to look within our hearts to be sure there is no error. We need to be proactive and speaking into one another's lives. No one likes to think we're wrong. No one likes to think we are in error. But there is a necessity to allow the light of the Lord to shine within our lives. And I thought about this. I thought, obviously, I think about my life and my vocation and what God has called me to do, and I kind of think about it just like you would in terms of your life and your things that you have going on. And I think about being in the pastorate, and I look around, and I see just kind of globally that the pastorate is in great turmoil. There's no place, I think, within the church where there's a greater pressure to keep sin secret. There's a rightly held expectation that pastors should be above reproach and be pure in their lives. Yet, in situations just like this one, where a pastor earns his livelihood from serving a congregation, there is a greater pressure to keep things secret. I'm just talking real to you. It's a concern. I heard one pastor say, one point, he said, if I fail, if I stumble, he said, it's flipping burgers and giving biggie fries for me. But there's a necessity to not wall this area off. And you have to think pretty strongly about this. You can't wall the pulpit area off and say that the person who preaches behind the pulpit is untouchable in terms of sin or in terms of addressing sin. 
Just as I would hope any one of us in this congregation will want someone to come to us and begin to point something out, I would hope that if there's things in my life or anyone who would stand behind the pulpit, that there would be a freedom to point it out with compassion and care. There's also the notion within the pastorate that if I'm struggling with something, who do I share it with? And if I share it with someone, will they betray me? I'm just being real. So this is why your, your prayers for those who serve in leadership, and I'm not being self-serving here, but anyone who serves in leadership is really important. It's also why where I need your prayers. As I search my own heart, I don't feel as though there's something I need to confess or share this morning, but I also know that no one is immune. No one is immune. And because of the pressure of caring for a family, because of the pressure of thinking what would happen, anyone who stands behind the pulpit is going to be less inclined to be open about what may be and then we're struggling. This is why prayer is important and discernment is important. So I need your discernment. We need the discernment of one another to be in operation within the congregation. I do have brothers that I can call or that I do call that are not part of this congregation, but there also has to be people who are part of this congregation. Where we stand together in unity and in one accord. So I'm just using that as an example. I'm not pointing a finger to say, you know, you've got to let people in your life. You've got to let people see in your life. You've got to open yourselves and not say, it's got to happen here too. This has to be a place where there's transparency. This has to be a place where there is an open willingness to be examined by the Holy Spirit and to be repentant when necessary. We have to be, as a congregation, a safe place for the exposure of darkness so that the light of the gospel will reign. You see, there's a sense that, well, if I expose sin, that that is going to ruin someone. But actually, exposing sin helps move someone into the light. It helps to bring them into the light. So now, okay, we can deal with this. If we don't know and it's hidden under the surface and it continues to bubble, we see all of these effects of it. I, I've seen at times uh, effects of sin that keep bubbling to the surface, wondering what's going on down here. And so what we need is the light of the gospel to shine here, deal with this, so that the effects then stop, and we see the effects of being full of the Spirit. In verse 14, 
It's probably written in your, if you look in your, your Bible as you're reading it through, uh, verse 14 where it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and uh, Christ will shine on you. It's maybe uh, indented a little bit or written in italics maybe, uh, depending on which version of the Bible you use. And the reason for that is, is because that's actually an ancient Christian hymn. Many scholars believe that this was actually a hymn that was sung in relation to baptism. So that as people were being baptized, this was actually a hymn that would be sung, that would be reflective of what was happening in baptism or by the person coming into relationship with the Lord Jesus. Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul is illustrating the point through that hymn that the work of Christ is to bring people into the light. Colossians 2 and 15 tells us that Jesus made a public spectacle of the rulers of darkness and doing so disarmed them of their power. That Jesus showed us what the rulers of darkness were. He showed us who were the rulers of darkness. He showed us that there were principalities that were ruling in the world. And in doing so, Scripture says that He disarmed them of their power. The best thing that can happen with secret and hidden sins is to get it into the light. Get it into the light. You and I must be people who live in the light, who embrace the light, who love the light. Let's not be afraid about sharing some of the struggles of the inward life. Let's not be afraid of sharing some of the struggles of the things that are going on within us. Yes, I agree. I struggle with it too. Someone might use it against you sometime. But you can rest assured that that person is not full of the Spirit. Because I can tell you when I sit with someone and they pour their heart out, what I feel, what I believe is the Spirit at work, and it brings a compassion for someone who's willing to get it out on the table to get help. Live in the light. I sit with someone, we're talking about their relationships with Jesus or their relationships with other people, we're trying to get some wisdom. We're trying to discern. We're trying to understand. I try to help them know I am not some great guru sitting on the other side of the table that's going to offer you some kind of great wisdom that's going to pull everything together for you after you leave. What I want to recognize with you is as we sit in this room, there is one whose name is Counselor. There is one who can transform situations. There's one who can move in your life in ways that I can't do. Who can speak in your life in ways that I can't speak. And as we sit down at the table together, the one thing that we will do is recognize his presence. And he's going to counsel you and he's going to counsel me. We recognize the counselor in the room. And when the counselor comes in the room, the counselor begins exposing things that were not yet exposed. Because the counselor wants to bring you. The counselor wants to awaken the sleeper. The counselor wants to take what was dead and bring to life. The counselor wants Christ to shine on us. Bringing sin into the light, it disarms what is destroying you. Remember our conversation about sin a few moments ago? It's not God's naughty list. It's God's Spirit moving, saying these things will destroy you. 
Ephesians is written to believers. Saying, these things will destroy you, and I don't want you to be destroyed. I want you to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. This morning, as we were standing and worshiping, one of the things I love about Pastor Mike is he sings with joy in his heart. He's smiling. There's joy for what God has done. I'm blessed by so many of you to have the joy of the Lord because you found it's your strength. Not afraid of what people know, not afraid of what people find out because Jesus knows it all. Living in the light. Secondly, the Apostle Paul says he wants us to understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 17, so do, then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? First, he's given us his authoritative word as our guide. The scriptures teach us what the will of the Lord is. The scriptures teach us what God's will and what God's plan is for us. There's so many ways for us to get the scriptures in our hearts. You can put it on a podcast. You can listen to it on your way to work. You can listen to it while you're in the shower in the morning. You can listen to it at night while you're going to sleep. You can read the word of the Lord. You can underline it. You can type it on your pad. You can get a journal now where you can journal the word of the Lord. There's all kinds of ways that you can learn the word of the Lord. There's no excuse for a believer in our day to not know the word of the Lord. Think of how blessed we are in history past. In fact, most believers in most of human history have not had a Bible. Most believers in most of human history could not even read a Bible. Now feel the weight of this because you've been given the Bible in all kinds of forms. You can hold it in your hand. You can carry it with you anywhere you want to go. We will give an account for that. We will give an account for how blessed we are in our day to be able to have the Word of God and let the Word of God dwell in us richly. God has given us His Word to know His will. He has also given us the church. The church is Christ's body. And there's wisdom in being in consistent fellowship and relationship with God's people. We must be in consistent fellowship and relationship with one another. This is not just a Sunday morning activity. It must be something that we are engaged in because we see the value of staying together in Christ. He's given us this church as a safety net for us to know what His will is, to know what His plan is, to know what His purpose is. And He has given us the Holy Spirit. We prayed for a move of the Holy Spirit this morning. We asked the Holy Spirit to fill us up. And the Holy Spirit leads us in the ways of the Lord. He enlightens our conscience and He supernaturally directs our path. We must be a people who are led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the guy in the Trinity that we can just kind of think about out there, but we don't really have to deal with. Jesus prayed that the Holy Spirit would come and would baptize us and would lead us. And the ambivalence towards the work of the Holy Spirit that I see at times in some churches is perplexing to me. 
We should be <laughs> groping for a move of the Holy Spirit. Crying out within us. God, we need a move of your Spirit. God, baptize me in your Spirit. God, fill me with your Spirit. God, move in ways that your Scripture teaches us. If we read the Word of the Lord, we see what happens in the Gospels. We see what happens in the book of Acts. We see what happens in the epistles. We must be a people of faith that believe in the power and the fire of God at work. God has given us the Holy Spirit to know His will. There should be discernment. There should be at times prophetic utterances. There should be words of wisdom and words of knowledge at times. We should be comfortable with these things, not like, oh, wow, there was actually a prophetic utterance in church today. Whoa, where did that come from? It's normative. And if we're going to say that God doesn't really work like that anymore, let's just close the book and set it aside and let's go have the nice little intellectual talk. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not willing for that. I'm not desirous of that. I don't want to be in a place where that happens. Either we're going to believe the book, we're going to live the book, or we're not. That leads us to the final point. In this passage, Paul says, be filled with spirit. Know what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Paul contrasts being filled with the Holy Spirit with being drunk with wine. Two commands here. First, the command not to be drunk. <clears throat> My family and I have made a commitment to abstain from alcohol. I have seen its evils in others. I have seen its evils in my extended family. So we abstain from alcohol. Is that a command? I can't find it to be an absolute command in Scripture. But I do believe that there is a reason that liquor is called spirits. And we don't want to give the enemy a foothold in our life. Am I telling you to follow my pattern? No, I'm not telling you to follow my pattern. I'm just saying what I have seen and pastorally the reason why I abstain from it. I think you have to walk before the Lord with a clear conscience, and I can't put my burden upon you. I'm being open with you and sharing with you my burden. For the Christian, there is something greater to be filled with than with alcohol, and that is God's Spirit. Amen. Scripture talks a lot about being filled with the Spirit. Second part of verse 18 First says, don't be drunk with wine. The second command says, to be filled with the Spirit. The point here is that you need to be filled with something. You will be filled with something. You're going to choose to be filled with the enticements of the world and be drunk on them, or you're going to choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. 
Being filled with the Holy Spirit means that your affections and sensitivities are fully upon the Lord. That's something that we must strive before, strive toward. Being filled with the Spirit is an action that Paul is commanding you and I to pursue. As you are filled with the Spirit, verses 19 and 21 become a reality in our life. He says, you will speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And there's no better example than what God did this morning. There's no better example than the power of God to move as the heart is stirred in music towards Him and people's hearts become more open by what corporately we are singing together. So when you and I are coming together and our words are speaking the same things to God, fill me up. Fill me up to overflow. I will be a sacrifice, O God. Fill me up with your fire. We're singing those words together. God's Spirit comes and He begins to stir in us as we sing and we make melody in our heart unto the Lord, speaking to one another, encouraging one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The overflow of the heart will result both in the internal and the external Praise unto God. With your lips, you'll extol the glorious power of God in thanksgiving for the great things that He has done. I've heard people write about it. I see it at times. But I want to speak to you brothers this morning. Sing to the Lord. Don't hold back. Don't hold back in silence. Lift your voice to the Lord, man. Singing is not simply an activity for the ladies. Many of them faithfully do it. For whatever reason, they're eager to give praise unto God. I can hear the ladies sing out loud. But brothers, don't let the enemy steal your song to the Lord. Lift your voice in praise to God. Sing loud unto Him. In this church, we are not going to be concerned about who's on key and who's off key. We're not going to be concerned about that. What we want to say is we're going to make a joyful noise, joyful to me, unto the Lord. We're going to sing unto God. And those who can carry the tune a little better, you sing a little louder. But we're going to exalt Him. We're going to let our voices praise Him together. We're going to sing strong to the Lord because He is worthy. As we sing to the Lord, we begin to then grasp an understanding of what the psalmist was writing in Psalm 150 when he says, Praise the Lord. Praise Him in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty expanse. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the trumpet sound. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flute. Praise Him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is what what we ought to be doing in God's house. We ought to be lifting up praise unto God. We ought to be exalting Him for the things which He has done in our life, for the good things which He has transformed within us and moving us from that kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. You and I, 
We cannot live faithfully without the filling of the Holy Spirit. Do not think that that is not for me. Don't think that that's something for just other people. We need the continual move and filling of the Holy Spirit in our life. We pray for the fire of God to rest upon this church in whatever way that God sees fit. We pray for God to move. We pray as in Psalm 50 what it says. Someone might want to get up and dance at some time. We're going to be okay with that. Someone might praise him with loud cymbals. Someone might sing to him. Someone might hit a tambourine. Someone might praise him on the guitar. Someone might praise him on the drums. Someone might praise him on the keys. Someone might praise him in the dance. Someone might praise him with the wave. Someone might praise the Lord with their voice, with shouts of hallelujah and exaltation to him. We're going to be comfortable with it because we're going to be a people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a daily need for you to be filled. There's a daily need for me to be filled. There's a daily need for us to step out of our comfort zone. Do we want the filling of the Spirit? Do we want a place where there's freedom to worship, where there's freedom to exalt, where there's freedom to praise, where there's freedom to sin? Do we want that place? Do we want this to be that place that we must say we have to be filled with the Spirit? I have to be filled with the Spirit. You have to be filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit must move within us. Let's exalt Him in this place this morning. Jesus, thank you.